Well, praise God. You guys ready to get in the word? We're going to talk tonight about making room for God. This is something the Lord spoke to me years ago. And he was talking to me about, Tony, you just need to make room for me. And then he started taking me through the word and teaching me something that I didn't really even know I needed. But to make room for God, you have to learn how to cast the whole of your care once and for all on him. Because if you don't, it, you won't make room for him because you'll be carrying this burden. So we're going to talk about that tonight. How to make room for the Lord. Turn to 1 Peter chapter 5. 1 Peter chapter 5. 1 Peter chapter 5, we're going to start in verse 6. The word of God says in verse 6, Humble yourself, therefore under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time. Don't ever let anybody try to tell you that God will humble you. There's no scripture in the Bible that ever says that God will humble you as his child. It always says you have to humble yourself. To make room for God, see, we're to travel light. The Lord talks to me almost all day, every day about traveling light. He doesn't want me carrying anything, right? And, and, and how... How many of you have ever experienced this? You have some things that you're carrying, but it's never quite enough. Then you, then you go tomorrow and the enemy's trying to pile more on. Did you ever see the movie Parent Trap? So there's this, this lady that these two daughters do not want their dad to marry. So they're going hiking. And what the daughters are doing is they're putting rocks in her backpack. So she's like, man, it's exactly what the enemy does. He'll keep, he just, a lot of times they're not boulders, they're just little pebbles. But you get enough of them and pretty soon you're, you're starting to get crushed. And then what happens, he is able to turn, see he'll put a pebble in your pocket that's throwing a thought into your mind. You're not good enough. You're not strong enough. Look at this situation. This is not working out. But then he'll keep, once he puts that little pebble there, do you know if you, if you look at wrong things, a pebble can turn into the rock of Gibraltar, right? And so pretty soon you get burdened down everywhere and now you're, you're not able to focus and be sensitive to the Holy Spirit who wants to lead you into life and into truth. So we got to know about this. Step number one to get away from this is you got to humble yourself. Because this is the first thing we do with little things in our life. Oh, I can handle that. I don't need to pray about that because I got this. I'll, I, you know, I need God for the big stuff that I can't handle. But here's the thing. If you don't give the Lord the little stuff you won't give him the big stuff. You, you'll want to, but you won't know how. But oh, if you start out by just going, you know what, I am, I mean, what we're talking about here is I'm never gonna fret, I'm never gonna worry, I'm never gonna have anxiety again. And the thing is, you're gonna have to overcome the feelings of anxiety, the feelings of worry, 
And you're going to have to tell your emotions to straighten up. And you're going to have to tell your mind what we're going to think. And you're going to have to tell your body to calm down. Right? And this is how we live. First step number one, humble yourself. This Greek word literally means to deliberately lower yourself in your own estimation. You have to deliberately do this in order that you might obtain help from another, in this case, God. If you're carrying your care tonight because God will not and cannot violate your will because he, he's created man with his own will and he never goes against his word. If you're carrying the care, he can't. Even though he wants to and he'll keep prompting you to give it to him. But you got to humble yourself. God doesn't humble you. He doesn't throw junk at you to humble you. He wants you to humble yourself. And what do we do? We humble ourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God. This word mighty is the Greek word kratos. What is that? Oh, that's only the power that rose Jesus up from the grave. Humble yourself under the mighty hand of God. That is literally God's manifested power. God wants to manifest his power in your life. He doesn't want you to figure it out and work it out. He wants to manifest his power and take care of it. Isn't that good news? Because, see, we're not built... He's our creator. He never created our bodies to handle stress. We, we're, stress causes all kinds of problems in the human body because we were never designed for that. And as believers, we are literally to be strong and do exploits, to do things beyond our ability, to be courageous enough to get out of the boat and grab hold of stuff. Why? Because we know God. And we know he's with us. And we know the Holy Spirit, who, as a believer, he doesn't do anything for us. He does everything with us. He takes hold together against whatever we face with us. And if we're a one and we need to be a ten, he'll be a nine. If we're a nine, he'll be a one. But, but guaranteed, we'll always go over. Victory is already ours. Humble yourself, therefore, under the mighty hand of God. Why? that he may exalt you in due time. This word exalt you literally means God desires to lift you above the circumstances that you're facing in life. He'll lift you above. Do you know things look pretty big from ground level, but when you get lifted up, you see them as they really are. And all of a sudden, you're like, wait a minute. The authority that I have, who's with me, the promise from God that I have, the greater one that's in me, he's greater than anything I'll ever face. This all comes as a result of humbling ourselves. How do you humble yourself? What can you, what can you do in your life to create an environment in your life all the time? How do you train for humbling yourself? Wouldn't that be nice to know? I'm, I'm really glad you asked that question because we should go to James chapter one and talk about it. So that's good. You guys are right with me tonight. 
James chapter 1, I wasn't planning on going here, but I think we need to. We've taught on this numerous times, could never teach on it enough. When you submit to the word of God, it will always work for you, always. It'll, it'll literally change. This is what it does. It changes the environment around you, which will start pulling out of you faith, joy. It gives you a right perspective, but it'll change the environment. So look at this in verse 21. I love the way the New Living Translation, the New Living says it's so nice. It says, so get rid of the filth and evil in your lives and humbly accept the word of God and humbly accept the word of God that's planted in your hearts for it has the power to save your souls. So get rid of the filth in your life. In the King James it says, and receive with meekness. That means how you receive the word of God you have to humble yourself, right? So it's saying the same thing here. So you humble yourself to receive the word of God, and, and look at this, and receive with meekness not just the word of God, it says the engrafted word of God, which is able to save your souls. That Greek word engrafted means implanted. When you humble yourself and put the word, you elevate the word above everything in your life, now what'll happen is you'll submit your life to the word, so now you'll always have it in two places. You will meditate in it day and night, so it'll be in your heart and in your mouth. You meditate in the word of God to get it in your heart, to implant it in your heart. It's a seed, and it'll grow whatever you need. Your spirit, man, is like soil. It's designed to grow things. So the word of God will go in, the, engra the engrafted word, the implanted word. What happens is I meditate. I say the word of God over and over to myself. And what happens, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. It looks like there's no way out. He always causes me to triumph. I feel so weak. I, I thank you, Father, that I'm being continually strengthened inwardly in you and in the power of your might. And as I meditate in that, what happens now, the Holy Spirit, he opens that word up on the inside of my heart. He literally opens it up and light comes. Now revelation knowledge comes of that word and you hear it. Now the word on the inside of you will start speaking to you. Everything's going to be okay. This is going to work out. You're going over and not under. My favor's crowning you as with a shield. I'm opening doors for you that no man can shut. It'll start speaking to you. And remember, Romans 10, 17, faith comes by hearing the word of God. So when it's speaking to you out of your spirit, what's happening now is now the Holy Spirit is literally etching that on in your spirit, man. But now... It's coming out of your spirit, and it washes over your mind. It brings salvation to your mind. What happens is it starts what Romans 12 says, the renovation of your mind. It'll change the way you think. This is how this works. So it says, receive the word with meekness. 
the engrafted word which is able to bring salvation, wholeness to your soulish realm. And then it says, but be ye doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. So as you're doing this now, as you meditate in the word, what happens is meditating in the word will build a bridge that is going to take you from being a hearer to being a doer of the word. If you don't meditate in the word, you'll never be a doer of the word. You won't be able to. See, all these things, you can't fake it because this is the way you're wired. So I meditate in the word. How often? Only twice a day, day and night, right? I never let the word depart out of my mouth. Well, how do I do that? The Holy Spirit helps me do that. Right, So then now I go from being a hearer to a doer. Because if I just, and this word hearer literally means a listener. Have you ever listened to the word? Have you ever, okay, have you ever read a chapter in the Bible? Because it's your day and you got to read this chapter so you feel good about yourself. And then, and then all of a sudden you're, you're brushing your teeth before you go to bed and you're like, what did I, what did I read? Right, you, you weren't hearing it. You were just listening to it. When you hear the word, you hear four words of one verse and it could keep you going for three years. Does that make sense? So, so now, does that mean stop reading the Bible? No, 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 keep reading it. It's full of so much power. It, the Holy Spirit will eventually get it over to you, right? But this is how it works. You, you literally, if you stay in this place where I just listen to the word, it's not first place in my life. It's a, God's a peripheral thing. I don't really look at it as life. I don't look at it for what God says it is. So now the Bible says Satan doesn't even deceive me. I am deceiving myself. But then it goes on in verse 23, for if any be a hearer of the word and not a doer, he's like a man beholding his natural face. King James says in a glass really it's the word mirror. So he's saying a hearer of the word is like a guy that looks at himself in the mirror, for he beholds himself and then goes his way. Notice he doesn't, he doesn't go God's way, he's going his way. He looks at himself, he beholds himself, right? Which is a look of inspection. He looks at it, but then after that, because it's not first place, he will lay it down and then go back to his own way. So the word's not able to produce anything. You deceive yourself because you'll think you're in the right place, but if you're not walking in humility, if you're walking in pride, if you study pride in the Bible, the first thing that pride does is it blinds you. So you think you're the one who's right and everybody else is wrong. Right? So, so we got to stay away from pride. Well, how close is pride? Oh, it's as close as your flesh. All of us. So this is why to be carnally minded, to pay attention to the things of the flesh, the Bible says is death. It can't produce life. But to be spiritually minded, if we pay attention to spiritual things, it's life and peace. So it says here, he beholds himself and then goes his way and right away and straightway at once, he forgets what manner of man he was. 
So this is a person who, when he looks at the word of God, he might see that he's a child of God and he has certain rights. And, you know, he sits in church under the anointing and it's like, man, I, I'm overcoming this thing in my life. But by the time he gets to his car, he forgets who he was. And he's right back to, well, I'm just Tony that has messed up and failed and I keep messing up. And, and then Satan's going, yeah, you're right. Right? And you beat yourself up. Nobody can beat you up like you can. Right? I mean, I've written novels on that. I've went to the concert, beat yourself up. I bought the t-shirt. No more. No more. God won't beat you up. He never does. The enemy will always beat you up. But mostly what the enemy will do is he'll get you to beat yourself up. Because he knows you listen to yourself more than you listen to anybody else, right? So it says here, but whoso looketh into the perfect law of liberty. This, and this word looketh means he looks and he keeps looking. So the hearer of the word looks, puts it away, and goes his way. The doer of the word, why is this important? The greatest way to walk in humility and to humble yourself is to be a doer of the word. So to do this, you just got to keep looking. Whoso looks and keeps looking into the perfect law of liberty, that's the word of God, and continues therein, he being not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work. Notice it doesn't say a doer of the word. It changes and goes a doer of the work. Because the word of God will show you what you're to do. You'll be a doer of the work. The Bible will reveal to your life your specific plan. Isn't that amazing? Written thousands of years ago, but yet it'll, re it'll reveal your plan. You get full of the word and all of a sudden, man, you'll run into something that's your plan and you'll know it on the inside. And this is what God wants for you. He wants you to be a doer of the word that'll cause you to be a doer of the work. And it says, this man shall be blessed in his deed. In the Greek language, it literally means he'll be blessed in his doing. Isn't that good news? So I need to go back. 1 Peter 5, 6, humble yourself, under the mighty, therefore under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time. How many of us need to be exalted above our circumstances? Every one of us. Because if you're not in one now, you know, I just got to be honest with you. You're about to be. In this life, you're going to have pressure. You're going to have things coming against you. Don't worry about that. Jesus says, listen, I've overcome it. The battle's already won, but you have to see the fight of faith is for you and I to stay at rest. To not try to jump in and hop on the works treadmill and try to figure it out ourselves. How many of you done that? Wow. No life there, right? So this is huge. Many who don't know how to cast their care on the Lord, here's a big key with this, they need to ask for help on how to roll their care over on the Lord. This is why the Bible talks about don't forsake the assembling of yourselves together. Because in this room right here, I would venture to say there's some people 
that over time have rolled so much stuff over on the Lord that they, they know how to do this. And there's other people that are right at the beginning of something and they're, not, they're being crushed by this thing and they don't know how to roll it over on the Lord. And I'm telling you, there's somebody in the church that will come alongside of you and go, hey, you know what, I know right what you're going through, been there, this is what I did, and this is what God did. This is why we need each other. We must be a church that is ready to help each other. Now, what this does not mean, because now remember, we need to be a church that helps one another. It doesn't mean, let me vomit on you for an hour and a half of all the problems in my life. No, that's not going to help me, and it's not going to help her, right? Because when you talk about your problems for the purpose of talking about them, it throws gasoline on a fire. But if you talk about them for the purpose, hey, I need to get together. This is what I'm going through, and I'm getting together with you. We're going to talk about this briefly, what I'm going through, and then you're going to, you know, you're going to tell me what, you're going to give me the word on what I need to do. The purpose of this meeting is for me to walk away from this thing, not carrying this thing that's crushing me. I want you to help me to roll this over on the Lord. And then... Just be in relationship with me to make sure I don't go running back to pick it up again. So this, see, this is a big part of this, guys. Making room for God, it's not, we're not talking about you making room for God for you. That's one part of it, but we're talking about you stepping into and being the man or woman of God that God's created you to be and be a help to others. So, so you start to look at, I need to, I need to get this down because, man, I want to help others. Does that make sense? See, you could come to church for you, and, and that's great, and you'll get some stuff, but when you get to the point where you're coming to church for him and for others, you leave with a hundred times more. That, that's because, see, we didn't come to church really. We are the church, right? We just came to a building here tonight. So why is this so important? In 2 Timothy chapter 3, in verse 1, it talks about our day. 2 Timothy 3, 1, Paul told Timothy, now this was 2,000 years ago or just under, so Right now, we're living at the end of the final days. It says, This know also that in the last, which means in the Greek, it means final days, perilous times shall come. Now, in 2018, we wouldn't read it this way. If we want to read it in our day and age, this know also that in the final days, perilous times are here. Right Now, were they living in perilous times there? Oh, yeah, but it's even greater now. I mean, the persecution back then was amazing, but I got to tell you, the persecution that's now is so much, so much more devastating because 
they don't want to just cut your head off. So you got to make a decision. Now we will give you everything, technology, everything, and we will inundate you through your TV and movies and everything and celebrities so that you can embrace with all of your heart the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life and get so up to here with me, 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 me that I live missing everything that God has for me in this life. These are, it, it, this word perilous means dangerous times, difficult times, and strength-reducing times. And what I just described is a strength-reducing time. You'll get lulled to sleep. Don't have time for church. Need to go to a church where there's an hour and 15-minute service. Has kick and worship and some nice stuff. Don't press me too much because I don't have time. Right? And 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 because I got I got things I got to do. That'll that'll destroy your life. Right? So dangerous, difficult times. In, in verse two to verse seven, it listed some things there. It said right at the beginning of verse two, it says, "For men shall be lovers of their own selves." Have you ever noticed how society is really geared? It's just all about you. Right? It's all about me. Whether I'm living in a false world of video games or whether I'm living in a false world of materiality or whatever it is. And see, does God want you to enjoy the things in this world? Oh, when you get your priorities straight, you'll enjoy them a lot more. But they'll never have you. It says, for men will be lovers of their own selves. And here's a big one. They'll be proud. So that means they won't humble themselves so that God could exalt them. A lot of people live their life and they're just going, things are great, their bills are paid, they have a nice house, they have a nice car, they're just going really good. And you know, what what happens at the end of this vapor life and they stand before Jesus and they're like, oh no, I didn't yield any of my fruit, I didn't tell anybody about the Lord, he never used me at all, and I I missed the plan of God for my life. Well, are you going to be in heaven? Yeah, that's great. But see, I'm here to tell you that there's so much more. When you make room for God, it's a life beyond anything you could imagine. Peace, joy, strength, security. You know, And here's the big one, fulfillment. See, nothing in the world will ever fulfill you. The Bible talks about in the, in, in the Old Testament, it says, happy is the man that finds wisdom. It's hilarious. The Hebrew language has sister words. Do you know what the, the connecting word for the word happy is? It's growth. You want to be happy in life? You have to grow spiritually. If you don't grow spiritually, you won't be happy in life. It's impossible. Who said that? Oh, God. You know? It, it, but see, Satan, he'll... He'll lull you to sleep. He'll, he'll, he'll just dump a ton of stuff on you, right? A diagnosis comes, and all of a sudden, what am I going to do? Uh, uh, there's a downturn in the economy. I get laid off. The, the, this, the world systems, it's designed, like I said earlier, to create fear and unbelief and, and steal, kill, and destroy. And you and I, as children of God, have been placed above that. It says there's, they'll be unthankful. 
Lovers of pleasure. Well, let's look at unthankful. Throw that into Romans chapter 1. It says that when men made a decision to not glorify God and were, not, and were unthankful, they were given over to vain imaginations. It affects your thinking. Lovers of pleasures more than lovers of God. God always gets bumped. Don't live like that because there's no life in it. Oh, will you have fun? Yeah, there's fun. it's fun. Right? But we're talking about pleasure. We're talking about fulfillment. We're talking about when you walk out of something where God's moving, you, it stays on you. And it's just glorious. Versus you just go to a great movie and you walk out and go, wow, that was great. The end. What, what's next? Right? Because that's just the way the world is. There's no fulfillment. Having a form of godliness, but denying the power therein. We live in that day. There's whole church planting movements that say never talk about the blood of Jesus, and you better never mention the Holy Spirit. Well, I'm sorry, we can't even understand this without the Holy Spirit. He's the one that brings revelation knowledge so that God can exalt us. How do you live spiritually minded? You have to have revelation knowledge of the word of God. So if we're denying the power of the Holy Spirit, oh my goodness, we don't want to do that. Here's, here's down in verse 7, it says, ever learning. He's probably talking about word of faith circles. Ever learning, but never coming to the knowledge or the full discernment of the truth. Why? Because I'm all about me. It's all about what I need. Pastor, I'm coming here. Man, I need another nugget, or you know, I'm going to look for someplace else, or I'll just stay home and you know, I'll, just, I'll just listen to all these wonderful guys and ladies, ministers. Right? So we, we got to stay away from all of this if we're going to make room for God. So now let's jump back to 1 Peter chapter 5. Let's look at the next verse, verse 7. So verse 6, Humble yourself, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time. How do I do that, Pastor? I am so glad you asked. Verse 7, I do that by casting all your care upon him. For he cares for you. Casting. This, this is a Greek, it's a Greek technical word that literally is only used one way. This word was used to describe an individual that was trying to carry a load that was so heavy that it was crushing him. So what he would do is he would call for a beast of burden, a donkey, a camel, or something, so that he can roll this, this thing that's crushing him over on top of that animal, that beast of burden. Now, that's exactly what it is because God's saying, I want to be your beast of burden. I don't want you carrying anything. One of the advantages of a child of God, the Lord is my shepherd. He, you know, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He satisfies me. Why? Because he carries all my problems. He works it all out. 
See, he wants me to roll it over on him. All of your care, not part, all of it. Not the part you think you could handle, right? All roads lead to steal, kill, and destroy with the enemy. So you don't want to put up with a, with a runny nose, right? Because if, man, he gets excited if you'll put up with a runny nose. Because then he'll throw a sinus infection on you. And oh, if you take that and, and, and are not in faith, they're like, oh, this is cool. Let's put some other stuff on them. But if you'll just go, wait a minute, no, I'm, I'm walking in the word. You stay full of the word and you cast all of your cares on the Lord. So he would roll this load over. Now notice he would still be walking. He could still see the thing that was crushing him. So when you cast the whole of your care on the Lord, the enemy will sit on your shoulder and go, you didn't cast it. See, you could still see it. Yeah, but here's the reality. I'm not being crushed by it anymore. So now my beast of burden, he's carrying it. He's doing all the heavy lifting. And now I'm traveling light so I could maintain my sensitivity to spiritual things so that now the Holy Spirit could tell me exactly what to do and where to go. And then all of a sudden I turn around because I'm just, I'm so just focused on my walk with the Lord and how good he is and I'm thanking him for all these things and I turn around and I'm like, oh my gosh, it's gone. Because he not only, he won't carry it forever, he'll take care of it, he'll fix it. Man, I've made messes in my life and God has fixed them. Makes me weep. I mean, I am sure that I have done some stupid things in my life to where these demons, these principalities and powers that are set against me are probably taking notes and going, they go back and go, hey, you gotta hear this. This guy did this. They'll be like, what? Nobody's that stupid, right? But, but here's what Jesus does. Give, Tony, give me that. L let me take that, I'll, I'll clean that up. Yeah, but I already killed it, Jesus. No, no, I'm the God who brings life back to dead things. It's not too late. Right? You're not going to win, Tony. You've already won. When did you win? Oh, you won, you won 2,000 years before you were ever born. That's your life and my life. He cares for you. It says, cast all your care. This word care is the key. You got to see it. It's the Greek word merimna. And it means stress. It means fretting. It means worry. These are heavy cares. Now, what does that look like when all of a sudden you're facing bankruptcy? There's a, there's a natural thing there, but it's causing something to happen in your mind. Stress, fretting, worry. You're diagnosed with something where the doctor's going, this is a debilitating disease and there's nothing we can do. What, what the byproduct of that physical diagnosis is it will cause all kinds of stress, worry, and fretting, right? It creates, it, this word means anxiety. So it, it literally means this, stress, fretting, worry, and anxiety that brings disruption into your personality, it literally disrupts your personality. It will cause you to act like 
you're really not. Have you ever dealt with somebody who is so angry and they're treating you horribly? Well, but this is why you walk in love and you're like, that's not them. I, I don't need to get offended by them for what they've done. I need to pray for them because they're being crushed. They're carrying a care. This is how, if you look at our church, we are offense free. If somebody gets offended and wants to talk bad about somebody, knock yourself out. Nobody's going to want to do that because we're all like, no, 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 no. Yeah, we're all in this thing together because we don't want this. See, this is why you don't want to carry a care because a care, what we're talking about, I don't want you carrying worry, fret, anxiety that's going to disrupt your personality. It's going to disrupt your mind. But here's what it's describing. It's describing something that inwardly divides you. You come to church and you hear, you hear me say something about God being good and you're going, yeah, I know. But then inside of you, you're so angry because something's going on and you're carrying it. It's not working for you. Have we ever been there? We've, we've all been there. But this word divide, it doesn't mean divide. You've seen me do this before. It, it's not divide like I go get a paper cutter and you know, I, or I get some scissors and it doesn't, okay, let me, I gotta divide this but I don't really wanna hurt Tony. No, no, it, it means something that tears you. It's something that rips your personality apart. It just changes. You have to cast those things on God. God is saying, I love you. I don't want you to carry that. You, he's saying you can't carry that. This is what he's talking about. It, it tears you up and it frays your emotions. This is what we're talking about here. This is this Greek word. Now here's the funny thing about this Greek word. It often, this is awesome. This word in the Greek is most often used to describe a threat that has not happened yet. And that's where Satan is the master. He will come to you. He, he, he'll say, Teresa, I know you're going through some stuff, but it's nothing like it. It's going to get worse. And, what do you, and you're not even handling it now. What are you going to do then? That's where you need to go. Well, I can only imagine how you would respond to that. With Satan, devil, you don't know how much I don't care. Shut up, get out, right? Smell my feet if you can. You're so far below me, right? Whatever. But we gotta be full of the word so we do that. Amen? So it's something, it could be something that, do you know how many people are worried about stuff that hasn't happened yet. I knew a financial planner years ago, went to church with him, and he was talking about, he's got clients, and he was talking about this one guy. He goes, I got this one client. I've had him for years. He is worth so much money that his money is multiplying so fast, the guy couldn't burn it all fast enough, and his number one concern, it's in front of him 24-7, it's ruining his health, is he's afraid he's gonna run out of money before he dies. And he's making more money than he could spend. And you think, well, how could anybody be that silly? No, no, your flesh is ridiculously silly. 
The sin nature in your flesh, the, the enemy will throw thoughts, and if you're in the flesh, you'll buy them. You'll sit here and go, Pastor, man, when I win the lottery, it's up to $200 million. And when I win the lottery, man, I'm going to tithe. We're going to pay this building off. It's going to be awesome. And then you win the lottery. And then what happens, because you never gave before and you never trusted God, you're thinking to yourself, wait a minute. The tithe is $20 million. <laughs> and you would go, I can't do that because I'd only have 180 million left. You'd say, well, I would never do that. Yeah, you would, if, unless, you, unless you tithe and give now. It's hilarious how we are. Well, only, you know, I'll, I'll treat my wife or I'll treat my husband right when they deserve it. That day will never come, right? So it's something that's not happened yet. It's something, have you ever had circumstances or things you're worrying about? And it always asks the question, what if? What am I going to do if this happens? Oh my gosh, what am I, you know, I'm noticing my car. Man, I, I just, I went to turn and it kind of made a funny noise and it's like, oh my gosh, I don't have any money. And what happens if it breaks down? How am I going to get to work? And Satan will do this all day long with you. This is why you just go, problem, problem. And these little principalities and powers, they're, they're going, okay, what do we do with this? He's just happy. And he's not carrying anything. So we throw this, and he's like, okay, break, whatever. You know, okay, this, whatever. That's the way you're supposed to live. Why? See, this word is describing something that's trying to pull you in different directions. It's trying to divide you. And here's the big root of this word. It's trying to distract you. Distract you into not knowing that you already won. You're thinking, I'm the sick trying to get healed. When all the time you're the healed and the sickness has got to leave because of who you are in Christ now. You're always, I'm, I'm the one in lack and I just got to get more money so that I could get to at least even. Have you ever lived there? They would talk about prosperity. I'm just thinking, man, I just can't wait till I could make enough money to pay my bills. Right? And that, that's not what God has for you. He has so much more. Why do you cast the whole of your care? I'm spending a lot of extra time on this, but this is so important. It says here, because he cares. I love this Greek word. It's the word mellow. Jesus is mellow. He's very concerned about you. So concerned, the God of all creation, he's watching you all the time. He sees you, and he's prompting you. Okay, I need you to get in the word here. I need you to get, in, and I need you to start meditating on this verse, because he sees here, you're going to start, you're going to face your next little storm, and he wants you to just sail through it. And he's always, here's how he's going to get, he's always going to talk to you. I love you. My eyes are upon you. I'm with you. I'll never leave you. And he'll just, he, all the time, he's pouring this so that whatever you face, you're like, well, I'm not facing this alone. And I'm facing this with a God who has all the answers. See, never forget the end of this verse because he cares about you. I love the amplified version of this. 
It says, casting the whole of your care, all your anxieties, all your worries, all your concerns once and for all on him. Why? For he cares for you affectionately and he cares about you watchfully. Isn't that awesome? God loves you. Man, I hope tonight, if you don't get anything else out of this, you're like, you know what? I am just loved by God, and I'm going to give him everything, every mess in my life right now, and I know he'll fix everything. He'll fix everything. God is saying to us, let me be your beast of burden. So casting the whole of your care, isn't that wonderful? So now what this means is, I don't worry anymore. Ouch. Now that will get you out of your comfort zone because some people embrace worry. See, why do you embrace worry like it's this pet that you love so much? It's because you've, you've tried to do everything your own way for so long, you just don't know how to live any other way. Here's the real good news. The Holy Spirit will teach you how not to worry. And this is how he teaches you. Give that to me. Just trust me. And then all of a sudden, man, you'll see him take care of it. And then pretty soon he'll go, okay, now, now give me this area. And oh, and then it gets to the point where he's like, hey, um, this one area that you've hidden from everybody that nobody knows about, I want you to give me that too. Because I don't want you, I don't want you carrying it. See, for women, this is a huge thing. Because for you, you ladies, all roads go the same direction. You're like 18 rivers in the same, right? So for you, if you have a secret thing that the enemy has beat you up or you've made a mistake and, and you hope nobody ever finds out, because what will they think? First of all, if they don't think good, you don't want them in your life anyway. So who cares? Second of all, Pretty much everybody's up to here with themselves, so they're probably not going to be thinking about you. But, but so God will want you ladies to give him that because he, he knows that'll be ever before your face. Here's the way it is with men. Men, we have all these rooms. We don't like a room. We, mess, we just go in and mess up a room. What do we do? We don't, we don't give it to God to clean it up. We're like, why do that? Just walk out of the room and shut the door. So what happens with us is we think we're okay, but if we, ever, if we ever get quiet, we know we're not okay. We know that for the past 40 years, I've had all these rooms that I just messed up. Here's the good news for us men. When you start, when you, when you start humbling yourself... And, and you start putting the word first and casting your cares on him. You open a door where God's constantly bringing revelation of how much he loves you. And then pretty soon, this is what he does. Okay, now we got to deal with these 35 rooms that you have that are a disaster. He doesn't ever do that. Because first of all, we forgot about most of these rooms. So what he'll do is he'll say, okay, Tony, there's a room I need to come show you. And he'll open the door and he'll show you. How does he do that? The light of the word of God will shine on it. And all of a sudden when he shows it to you, he'll say, okay, remember, I love you. 
Remember, I'm good, I'm gracious. Now I need you to give me that room. I need you to give me that mess and let me, let me, let me fix that. And if you'll do it, then you walk and you're going, man, okay, now I'm whole. I'm just this powerful man of God. And then all of a sudden, ooh. Then you'll go, okay, and now, Tony, uh, we got to deal with this room. Wow, I, didn't even, I don't even remember that room. And heal over your life. You get to the point where pretty soon you realize. Now, now this is what happens with the enemy. The enemy, when he sees that you're just resting in God, you're not trying to work this out yourself, you're just casting your care on the Lord. For us as men, the enemy will start running around opening doors. He'll go, hey, 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 look, look, look at, you are a disaster. You have 50 rooms here that are a mess. You need to fix them all right now. Forget all that. We don't go by the loud stuff here. We take every thought captive and we just keep walking in peace. He makes me lie down be, beside still waters. Let's fix this one. Well, what about these other 49, Lord? Don't worry about that. I'm God. I, I, I'm the spirit of truth. I know how to guide you in all the truth. You don't even be concerned about these, these rooms. Nothing here is going to hurt you. You just be willing and obedient. And, I'm gonna, and, and see, while he's cleaning up the rooms for the men and the women, this is the cool thing. You still, because you're willing and obedient, you're eating the good of the land all the time. You're walking in the blessing of God. He's restoring things. Pretty soon he starts restoring things that you had no idea even needed restoring. Things maybe that you've given up on. And so then what happens to your life is now you start to see. Wow. I mean, it's, it's talking about it. It's coming all over me. He's good all the time. His mercy endures forever. His mercies are new to me every morning. He's faithful. He'll never let me down. I could, so, so what do you start doing? In your life, you start making more room for him. Because see, a lot of people don't make room for him. Boy, I'm going on a rabbit trail here. That is so good. A lot of people don't make room for him because they think he's not good. So I don't even want to give him a place at the table because he's going to start telling me to do stuff I don't want to do and, and this and that. And, and he's going to, he's just, if, if, you know, if I invite him too much in, he's going to allow some sickness on my life or, or maybe take one of my children just to teach me something. And I, 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 don't want, I don't want that. That's not who God is. He's a God of restoration. This doctrine this sovereignty doctrine that says, well, God's sovereign, and you know what? Whatever happens, happens, and, and he just has this master plan. Yes, but let's look at it. God is sovereign, and he sovereignly set it up where man's will trumps his will. God wants everybody to be saved, but you know, while we've been here, people have died and are in hell right now because they didn't choose to, to the sacrifice. God didn't send them there. They, he honored their right to go because he gave them a will. 
Just because God knows everything doesn't mean he causes it. And I'm telling you, God, he's good all the time. Not good New Testament, but not good, but he was pretty bad in the Old Testament. No, 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 no. He was good all the way through the Old Testament. He's good all the way through the New Testament. He is only good. And as you get to know him, you'll know you can make room for him. And, and I'm telling you, you'll start making more room for him as you see him working stuff out. He wants his grace to empower you to walk holy so that he can be in every room of your life and you could experience life on a level that's amazing. The one thing I love about God is he'll meet you right where you are. When he looks at you tonight, he likes what he sees. He doesn't see you in sin. You know why? Because according to Romans, you're not in sin. If you're a child of God, all of your sin was condemned in the body of Jesus. You were crucified with him. You were buried with him in baptism. You were raised to newness of life. Wow, seated with him in heavenly places. God loves you. And as you get to know this, pretty soon you come forth as who you are. You're no longer trying. There's nothing between you and God anymore. You're not trying to be good enough because you know it's all about Jesus. And now you're just like, man, God, you know what? I, I've been having a problem with this. I need your help. He's like, I'm here. All right, I'll give this to you. And then, then you're just so excited. You're filling yourself with the word. You're getting to know him. And all of a sudden you turn around and it's gone. And it's fixed. Then pretty soon you have this desire in your heart and all of a sudden it starts coming to pass. Desire after desire or another way, the way the word says it, glory to glory. There are so many scriptures. I, we we want to talk more about this because we got to go on this full on to learn how. But here's the thing. You could learn how to cast you and roll your burdens over on the Lord, but unless you know that he really loves you, Unless, unless, see, you need to see God as he really is. You know, you hear, you hear silly things like if you drive over 55, he jumps off. You know, he's not going to do that, right? No, no, he's still there, right? If you're, see, you, you, can't, you can't get away from him. He sees everything, and he wants to turn your life right side up, and he knows exactly how to do it. Amen?